In 1858, a man named Jean-Francois Gravelet, 34 years old, was a funambulist. Anyone know what a funambulist means? He was better known as Monsieur Charles Blondin, the tightrope walker. He was a showman, and he also knew this would be some way that he could gain some fame and some money. And so he put tightropes across all sorts of things and drew crowds. And so he decided he was going to tightrope across Niagara Falls. And he got all these news outlets involved. And as the fish grows bigger, so does the crowd. But they say that there were 25,000 people gathered there that 4th of July in 1858 to watch Blondine cross the 1,300 feet. There were people on each side, on the Canadian side and on the American side. And you know the reason they showed up. The same reason all of us would have shown up is like, we want to see if he falls. It's horrifying. It it's, creates this sense of, of terror and wonder all at the same time. And so Blondine gets up there and we're told that the rope is fastened on either side where there is ground by something called guy ropes, and this would have prevented it from swaying. But in the middle, where the river is, it, it couldn't be fastened, and so it sagged 50 feet, hovering 190 feet over the falls. And so he goes and makes this trek, and, it, and we're told that it takes 20 minutes, and people, uh, this is him doing it. He has this long 26-foot pole balancing rod. And he makes it there, and he comes back to the other side. And this time, he does it again. And he, it's said that he did it on stilts. He did it blindfolded. He took a camera with him. One time, he stopped in the middle and asked for a bottle of wine and sat there and enjoyed the wine. One time, Blondine took a wheelbarrow. He came back from the Canadian side onto the American side, and there's thousands of people cheering for him. And it's, the wheelbarrow has cement bags with cement in it. And when he gets to the side, everybody's just roaring, like, you, this guy is just unbelievable. And he says, do you think I can put someone in the wheelbarrow and go across the tightrope? Do you believe I can do it? And they're all like, we believe you can do anything, Blondine. We've seen you. You're amazing. We believe. Well, then who will get in? <laughs> Today, we are asking the question, what is faith? And I begin with this story because I believe that faith is scary and unknown and a leap it's putting our trust and confidence in something that is seen but not seen. And it's some, something that you can feel so secure about. And in other times, it is if the bottom could be falling out and you could be falling into Niagara Falls. My prayer for all of us today is this, is that we would be stirred within ourselves to say, you know, where am I on this journey of faith? Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that you are here. You were here. You have been here. Your presence is within us. And I pray that through the encounter with your word this day, that we would not be able to leave the same. 
For you have pierced through, you have spoken to us, and we have been reminded of you, the depths of your love for us. In Christ's name, amen. We're continuing to read through the Gospel of Luke, and now we are in chapter 7. This is the story Jesus is beginning to tell right after he has finished his sermon on the plain. Hear now the word of our Lord. After Jesus had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. A centurion there had a slave whom he valued highly and who was ill and close to death. When he heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders to him, asking him to come and heal his slave. When they came to Jesus, they appealed to him earnestly, saying, He is worthy of having you do this for him, for he loves our people, and it is he who built our synagogue for us. And so Jesus went with them. But when he was not far from the home, the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but only speak the word and let thy servant be healed. For I also am a man that is set under authority with soldiers under me, and I I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and the slave does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him, he said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. When those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. This is the only time in all of Jesus' life. It's recorded here in Luke in the same story in Matthew when Jesus sees someone's faith and is amazed by it. This is the only time Jesus goes, wow, look at that faith. And it's not even a Jesus follower. It's a Roman centurion. It's actually someone who would have professed their faith in the emperor. What is faith? The dictionary tells us that it's having complete confidence and trust in something. But in this story, it seems like faith is blind. So I have an aunt, Charlotte, my dad's sister. She has been blind since birth. And when I was younger and we lived much closer, we hung out all the time. And when I would walk with her through places, she had to trust and have faith in my voice that would direct her. I would say, step down, step up, there's rocks. Charlotte is blind, but she trusts that whoever is leading her arm in arm is leading her in the right way. Faith is blind. Because first and foremost, this thing that we're doing This faith thing, it's rooted in things unseen. Notice what is not important in this passage about the centurion. We're not told his denomination. We're not told if he's a centurion that's actually still engaged in duty as a soldier. He could be retired. We're not told how holy he is or how good or righteous. The only thing that Jesus is amazed at is that he has this blind faith. The centurion has this faith in something that he didn't even see. 
Part of the very meaning of faith lies in the, like the unpointability. This inability to articulate or point to or, or reveal how you arrived at the very belief that you have. Faith is not dependent on having seen something. In the book of Hebrews, the author says it this way, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. There is this element to the definition of faith that is faith. (laughs) It's saying that there is something holding you when no one else can see it. It is the belief that all of our being is held together even when everything's falling apart. It's being able to realize that in the midst of something that seems very difficult in the present, there's actually this much bigger perspective that sees it in a greater way. But the centurion had never seen Jesus that we know of. He doesn't come before in the Gospels. He just shows up in this scene. And we know that the centurion is not a Jesus follower. But he has this total and complete faith that what Jesus says Jesus will do, Jesus will do. At his word, his servant will be healed. Faith can be blind. That's what this story would say. But if you're to look down a couple more verses in the Gospel of Luke, there's another story about faith being something that you see. Remember the the friends that dug the hole in the roof and then lowered the man down? And the scripture says when Jesus saw their faith, he then healed the man and said, your sins are forgiven. Verses down in Luke 7, there is an adulterous woman who sits at Jesus' feet as he is dining at the Pharisee Simon's house, and she's weeping and wiping his feet off, and the Pharisee is extremely judgmental, and he looks at her, he sees her and says, your faith, this demonstration, this thing that we just saw, that has saved you. So faith is blind, But then in other places in scripture, faith is seen. In this text, faith is best lived out with others. And I love the threefold image of trust in this story. You've got the slave trusting that the owner is going to somehow get him better. You've got the owner telling the friends and the elders to go to this man, Jesus, and beg him how worthy he is to be healed. And then you've got the elders coming before Jesus and trusting him. I think this is the linchpin to faith. When you consider all of the people in your life, believer or not, the majority of them believe in something bigger than themselves. They might not be able to articulate it, a a force a being, a spirit, a reality. Within God's very Trinitarian self, faith at its core, the linchpin, is that it is mutual. It's connectional. It's communal. Faith is relationship 
It cannot be separated from that. As I reflected on this passage, I found it so interesting what is missing that is so often included in Luke's other passages. Where is the judgmental bystander? There's no judgmental bystander. Do you know what? I found myself being the judgmental bystander in this scene. Why does this centurion, who has no relationship with Jesus, get to order more people around so that his servant that he loves gets the benefits of being in relationship with Jesus? This is the thing, y'all. If faith at its core is about relationship, that means it's deeply personal. That means it's between that individual and God. And so another person's faith is not for me or any of us to judge. Another person's faith is something to be curious about, to engage with, to learn from. My faith is not like the centurion's. My faith is not like anyone's. Faith is not something that one can put into camps or to polls or to parties because faith is not one or the other. Faith is saying, I see God right there. And then also it's saying, help me see God. I can't see God right now. Faith can be unseen and so clear, sure and unsure, verbal to where you could talk about it forever and then sometimes left absolutely speechless. Faith can be great and yet we know faith can be as small as a mustard seed and move a mountain. Faith can be so diverse and for some reason you gather together and faith feels unifying Faith is blind at times, and at other times, faith is extremely clear. Faith is trusting, and then at also times, it's completely risky and reckless. Faith is energy and impetus and meaning, and then it's also confusing and heavy and responsible. Faith is perfectly unique for each of us, and somehow faith is held together in community. No one got into the wheelbarrow for Blondine. No one got in. Too risky, too scary, too unsure, too many questions and too impossible to explain. This is what I know. Faith in Jesus is worth getting in the wheelbarrow. It's rooted in a love that is so deep that before any of us were born or our parents or our grandparents, God first took the risk. God exemplified this radical risk of love, even unto death for each of us. Faith in Jesus is scary, but it is rooted in a love that knew how much humanity would mess up and then would look out at humanity for all time and say, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. So, yes, faith is unsure. But God's faithfulness to us is solid. 
So will you get into the wheelbarrow? Amen. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, you are so amazing that you, regardless of the risk, you go and chase the one sheep. That regardless of the possibility for rejection and denial, you still called Peter. And regardless of all the ways that, that we fumble through this life of faith, that you remain steady. Great is your faithfulness, O oh God. And we give you all the glory this day. Amen.